Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, here to break down the Seattle Mariners system for you today. And to do that, we're joined by Bill Mitchell, longtime contributor to BA. Bill has done the Mariners farm system for us for a couple of years now. Bill, safe to say uh, this was the most fun year doing the Mariners system compared to previous years? Oh, absolutely, Kyle, and thank you for having me on. It's uh, I'm getting ready for a busy weekend and then actually a busy spring, so this is good timing uh, to talk about the Mariners. I uh, hope to get out their complex soon and uh, catch sight of a lot of these guys that, we, uh, that are now beefing up their system. Uh, the big thing was that there weren't a lot of trades in the middle of doing it. I uh, could start with my list and, and stick with it. Jerry DePoto definitely messed up quite a few uh, preliminary lists over the last few years with his trading sprees. <laughs> yes. So with that, we're seeing kind of a, a new era, if you will. The Mariners have gone into full rebuild mode. And as we move into the 2020s, the Mariners have the longest postseason drought, not just of any team in baseball, but of any team in the four major North American sports. I think the question most Mariners fans want to know is how much longer will it be before this team is competitive? There's a lot of talent in this farm system. Some of it's reached double A. A lot of it's still A ball and below. What's the timeline Mariners fans are looking at here for these guys? A, to get up to the majors and B, become successful enough and go through all the adjustments necessary to turn this into a postseason contender. Based on the way the Mariners have been moving their top prospects through their, their system, and we saw that last year with Jared Kalnick, who played at three levels. We saw that with Julio Rodriguez, who played at two levels and maybe would have been to a third had he not uh, missed time during the season. Logan Gilbert, I believe, uh, crossed over three different levels he also. Did. So he did. They're moving their prospects quickly. I would suspect that we would see uh, a lot of the names that I just mentioned in the big leagues within the next 12 months is my my guess uh, so uh they're moving them quickly there's still a lot they still have a lot of ground to gain you've still got you've got the astros in that uh division angels are beefing up considerably this year and you can't count oakland out of, of that and uh well we'll see what happens with the rangers they're uh they've got some good young talent but i think they're kind of in the same situation as the Mariners, they need to build it back up. So as far as when they can contend, I don't know that I can give you a good answer for that, but at least they're moving in the right direction. And I have to say for the Mariners fans, be patient. There's certainly a lot of exciting talent. At the forefront of that is Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelenic, the two outfielders who are among the top 15 prospects in baseball. Bill, take us through that process of what ultimately elevated Rodriguez to number one over Kelenic. I know there was a lot of debate. We talked to a lot of evaluators, both inside and outside the Mariners system. Ultimately, what was it that propelled Rodriguez to number one? It's. I think there's really two things. Uh, the... The, the tools and the potential are just sky high. 
Uh, but then add in the makeup and the character of Julio Rodriguez. Uh, he taught himself English. He prefers doing his interviews in English. He's very uh, outgoing, personable. He's active on social media, very fan-friendly. He's just, and when I first met him, what was it about a year and a half ago, I thought, okay, this is a good kid. It just stands out to you right away. Uh, it was really a tough decision. In fact, you know, as you know, Kyle, we write much longer reports on the number one prospect. Well, this year I wrote the, the expanded reports on both Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalnick so that we could make the decision at the last minute. And if you ask 100 people of which would be the top prospect, I have joked that it was, would probably come out 51-49. Julio Rodriguez, the types of things that were being said about him last year were kind of amazing. I know I wrote an article about some of the things that were being said about him just in the few weeks he was in the Cal League. What kind of player are the Mariners looking at here? The If he fulfills his potential, you're talking about an all-star caliber player and a franchise cornerstone. I know I'm going out on a limb saying that, but uh, I feel confident that if he stays healthy, continues to develop those uh, that impressive toolkit, you've got a franchise cornerstone. And with that, I think one of the most impressive things about Julio Rodriguez was not just the physical skills, which are absolutely immense. You know, people have said he's a man child out there, uh, just kind of a man among boys. But even with that, they talk about just what a great guy he is, the makeup, the intelligence. He's already nearly fluent in English at 18 years old. Uh, it seems like everything is there for this guy to be a superstar. The physical tools, the makeup. It does feel like this guy has a chance to be in that echelon of not just an all-star, but a franchise player, the guy whose name and face are on the billboard and that the team is identified with. Is that fair or is that asking too much of him? I think you can ask whatever you want of this kid, and he's going to do his best to get to that point. Uh, if you want to say, can he be another Ken Griffey? And I don't want to put those kind of comparisons on any young 18-year-old kid, but uh, you, you give him that uh, you, you give him that idea that maybe he can be another Griffey, he'll work towards that. And maybe he's not another Ken Griffey, but he's going to be a darn good player. Yeah, it, I, again, I don't want to put future Hall of Famer on any 18-year-old like Ken Griffey Jr. was, one of the greatest players to ever play. Just the idea that this could be a player who's more than just an occasional all-star, but someone who can be a true franchise face. Uh, Jared Kelenic as well, we got some really good reports on. I was really intrigued by the Grady Sizemore-Jim Edmonds comparisons, that, that standout center fielder who can hit in the middle of the lineup, hit for power, hit for average, play great defense in center field. You know, I know talking to some scouts, they say, you know, he's got to improve his roots and his focus a little bit defensively. You can pitch him down and in a little bit, but he's also a smart enough hitter. He knows what he can attack and what he can't. He knows what to lay off of, and the defensive stuff will come with time. With Kalanick, what are your expectations for him? And, and again, in a lot of systems, he would have been number one. Most systems just don't have a Julio Rodriguez type. Right, and we did have uh, we you know we we for most of the year we were ranking Kalnick number one uh, when we did the midseason report he was up there, uh, but uh, he's uh, he's got a higher floor than Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I think you've got a solid major league. If nothing else, you've got a solid major league player there. He could be much more than that, but uh, I think you're, you're looking at also another another all star caliber player. So these were very clearly the top two in the system. The next group involved Evan White, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, their first-round pick, Noelvi Marte, the reigning Dominican Summer League MVP. 
How did you sort this group out? Was it fair to say that the four of them made up a, a very clear tier two, or was there someone else in this mix as well? No, I think it made a clear, certainly clear. One thing to say about Evan White, when I said 51-49 between J-Rod and Kalanick for number one, there was some support for Evan White being the top prospect too. And I, I talked to some Mariner scouts uh, at the winter meetings, and by that time we already had uh, the handbook, I think, had already or was about to go to press, uh, but it wasn't going to change our minds. But there was there were a few Mariner scouts that, uh, if, if you asked them, they would probably say that Evan White was the top prospect. Uh, it's you know certainly in the minority compared to Julio Rodriguez and the Jared Kalnick supporters, but uh, White, uh, there's a good chance he's going to earn the starting job since they have already given him that long major league contract. He can, and there's nobody ahead of him in Seattle that I can see that's going to keep him away from that first base job. Uh, if he hits enough and continues the development he's made with the bat and the power continues to emerge, there's a regular major league first baseman for a long time. And of course his defense is off the charts. It's plus plus defense and like Cody Bellinger, you could even put him in the outfield and he'd be a good defender out in, in center field or in the corners. Yeah, it's funny. I remember after seeing him at Modesto, or really seeing him for Team USA, actually, uh, in between his sophomore and junior years, but then again going and seeing him at Modesto, I remember texting with you uh, that if you told me Evan White was going to quit baseball and pursue a career in the Russian ballet, I'd believe you. His footwork is just that graceful, and it's it's kind of amazing to watch. In some ways, almost mesmerizing, things you didn't think you could feel about watching a first baseman, but when it's him, well, you when can. When you mentioned ballet, when, uh, the first year I was doing or the first year that he was eligible to be in the Mariners prospect report, I talked to one of his coaches that had him in Everett, and he used that same thing. He said he's like a ballet artist at first base. So I wanted to get that in there. You were on the right target there. With that, the pitchers are interesting. Logan Gilbert, as we mentioned, was their first-round pick in 2018. George Kirby, their first-round pick in 2019. Novi Marte, top international prospect in his class 2018. All three of these guys have a lot of pedigree. How did you stack them up, and what were the reviews of them you got in your first day? Really, for a lot of them, their first taste of, uh, of people seeing them. Gilbert didn't pitch after signing last year, so all three of them made their pro debuts this year. Uh, Gilbert uh, excelled at every level. Um, I, I got to see him in spring training. I think you saw him during the Cal League season, if I'm not mistaken. I did. And he continued to thrive, even getting up to the double-A level. So... Uh, he certainly looks like a, a, a solid middle-of-the-rotation starter. Uh, Kirby, I have not seen yet. I'm hoping to see him in spring training. He just pitched a little bit in Everett last year, and then the Mariners don't do games during instructional league, so I have to wait to spring training to see him. But what was amazing about him, both in his college career and then getting into pro ball, was uh, how few batters he walks. In fact, in 23 innings at, at Everett, he didn't walk a single batter, and I think that came on uh, after walking only six in his whole junior year at Elon College, or Elon University, excuse me. With Noel V. Marte, this is another very, very talented international prospect who's following in the same trail as Julio Rodriguez, very highly regarded, tore through the DSL, prepared to make his U.S. debut this year. How high did some people think he could go? Because I know there are some people out there who think this could be someone that maybe a year from now, depending on what happens with guys ahead of him, could be the number one prospect in this system. He certainly could, and especially if when you look at how many of the Mariners' top ten 
players or top 10 prospects are probably going to graduate. I certainly see Marte moving into the top three by next year, but he has yet to play in the States. Uh, I'm not sure where the Mariners are going to start him out this year, whether they put him in the Arizona league or if they do like they did with Julio Rodriguez and skip him a level. I don't see him starting out right away in full season ball like uh, Rodriguez did. He's still got a lot of development uh, in the infield. And I think that would be rushing him to put him in low A. But uh, we'll see how he looks in spring training, too, and how ready he is. But uh, I certainly I, I expect that he will stay behind in extended spring training. But it would not surprise me to see him in full season ball before the end of the year. Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn were two very highly regarded pitching prospects acquired in trades. They both appeared for the Mariners in the major leagues in 2019. They've both previously been ranked higher in this system. They're in 7 and 8 this year. What were some of the reviews you were getting on them? Because both of them did some good things, did some other things that scouts were a little more lukewarm on this year. Take me through that process and evaluating them and ultimately what put them where they were. Well, with Sheffield, if you look at what he did in AAA, you'd say, okay, he must not be a prospect anymore. Uh, they sent him back down to AA. He got a good level set. He was able to get back there, get back to pitching the way he was before. And... Really, uh, the kind of pitcher we thought he could be. I, I've talked to some scouts that saw him late in the season with Seattle, and they were they saw positive signs. So let's take that season, say, okay, good learning experience for him, getting used to a new organization, and get him into uh, spring training this year, and I think he's got a good shot at breaking camp in the Mariners' rotation. Uh, Don, uh, there were some conditioning issues. He, uh, you know, scouts noticed that he was, uh, you know, a little thicker in the middle and, and maybe not in a good way. Uh, and I know he spent some time in the fall working on his conditioning. Uh, I think he can certainly be part of uh, the Mariners staff, either as a starter or out of the bullpen like he uh, uh, did in college at Boston College. He was a reliever, a closer there. So I think both can contribute to the Mariners this year. With that, how much faith is there that both of them will stick in the rotation long-term? There's a little more confidence on Sheffield. I know he showed a little bit when he went back down to AA last year. Dunn did have a very good year as a starter in the Texas League. What would you say is the percentage each of these guys ends up in the rotation versus the bullpen based on your conversation with evaluators? I think a lot will depend on what else, you know, who else they have in the rotation at the time. Uh, certainly it's not a real strong rotation at this point. But as you get Gilbert moving up, uh, Kirby moving up, uh, Brandon Williamson, who we may talk about here, also made their top ten. Uh, with I think with Dunn's experience pitching in the bullpen in in Boston College, and you know from talking to people that I you know scouts that felt that he'd be better. Uh, if you want to pick a percentage, I say there's a 50-50 chance, uh, maybe higher, that he winds up as a reliever in the in the major league at the major league level. Uh, Sheffield, I still think he has a chance to be a starter. Uh, he needs to improve the commands a, a little more, and uh, that was what he was working on. And really was the uh, the secret to his success in uh, when he went to Double A. Uh, uh, what's their Double A team? Arkansas. Um, that uh, and he worked there with Pete Woodworth, who uh, will now be the Mariners' major league pitching coach. So I think he can. Uh, 
you know, improving his secondary pitches, getting better command of the fastball. Uh, Sheffield, I think, can stay in the rotation. Brandon Williamson, who you just mentioned, was probably one of the bigger surprises on the top 10. What made Williamson the pick here? Again, he was a successful pitcher at Texas Christian, a high draft pick in 2019, their second rounder. What propelled him into the top 10 in this much improved Mariner system? Because I think when you do this a few years ago, it's almost like any of their top two or three picks automatically ended up in the top 10 of their system. That wasn't necessarily the case this year, but Williamson earned it. What did evaluators see there? Not a lot of evaluators got to see him at Everett. He only fit, pitched 15 innings. Uh, when you talk to people who saw him, the scouts that saw him at Texas Christian, and then talking to people in the Mariners organization, um, you know, when I first was laying out my straw man of where I thought everybody would rank, I had him more as an 11 to 15 guy. But in talking to several Mariners uh, scouts and team officials, it's like, no, this guy's a top 10 guy. He was a first-round talent. In, he came out of junior college, went to Texas Christian, but he missed fall ball at, in his TCU because he had some, I think it was hip injuries, uh, had had some surgery. Really, he was a first-round talent. And I talked to some scouts that saw him in college. They ranked him coming out of TCU higher than Nick Lodolo, who was a high first-round pick. You can really say that Williamson was a first-round talent so the Mariners really got two first-round picks as pitchers this year by taking Williamson in the second round, but he was a first-round talent. Kyle Lewis, who was the Mariners' first-round pick in 2016, made his major league debut last year, memorably homered in each of his first three games, rounded out the top ten. How many other players were in consideration? Because, again, this was a much deeper prospect group than in years past, and you know, I know sometimes there were times it was a stretch to even get to ten. This year, you had options. I did. Uh, it does start to fall off after about 13 or 14 players in the system. Uh, it's a very good system at the top. Uh, you know, you can probably put their top 10 against most other organizations. But uh, it does fall off after about 13 or 14. Uh, Jake Fraley was one that certainly was considered. He uh, uh, made his major league debut last year. Uh, scouts really like what they saw of him. Uh, he hit with more power than he has in the past. He's a plus runner, and he could be a plus defender, able to handle all three outfield positions. So there's a lot to like about Jake Fraley. They got him in a trade from the Rays uh, the year before, I believe, and uh, uh, he's certainly one that I, I think will contribute at the big league level this year. Uh, Cal Raleigh was another one who moved uh, quickly last year. He, uh, in his first full season, he started the year in Modesto, and I'm sure you saw him there. I know I did. Uh, he hit a lot of home runs. Uh, he's a big, bulky catcher, which has its pros and cons, but made it to Arkansas by the uh, uh, by the second half of the season. Uh, and then there's one guy who did not get to pitch. I'm curious. Uh, there, He was a competitive balance pick in uh, – the second competitive balance round was Isaiah Campbell out, out of Arkansas. He was the ace of the uh, uh, Razorbacks rotation as they went to the College World Series. Pitched very well there. Had been drafted before, in fact. And I think he is a Southern California product. Uh, he did not pitch because of the heavy workload that he had in Arkansas. So we'll see him in spring training, too. But uh, there's another guy I think could move up the, pretty quickly. 
Yeah, I mean, the Mariners having even, you know, that 13 or 14 prospects that you could all see playing a role for their major league team within two, three years, that's an improvement over where things have been in the recent past. With this, this is still a team that's probably in for definitely a losing season in 2020, likely a losing season in 2021 as well. What needs to happen to have all these prospects not only come up and make this a winning team? Because while there's certainly some strength in outfielders, there's absolutely some parts of the system where the team is a little bit weak. What do they need to add up or beef up prospect-wise so that when this group gets to the major leagues, it's a complete team and not a team with some major stars but also some major holes? Their system, when you get into the 20s, is there's a few more role-type players like Donnie Walton. I I, I love having Donnie Walton in the top 30. Uh, He wouldn't be on everybody's top 30. He is going to play in the major leagues. In fact, I think he did get some time this year. He did. Uh, uh, He's just a consummate ball player. He will contribute at the big league level, but it's never going to be in the starting role. It's going to be as that utility infielder that can play – all four positions. Um, they also have some it's strong on, on bullpen um, in their system. And the guy that uh, I find most interesting is Sam Delaplane, who was not on my radar at all until this year, but uh, he had a historic number of strikeouts. In, uh, and he has it through his whole career, but uh, I think it was something like 16 strikeouts per nine innings over a couple levels and then did it in the fall league too. But I think just uh, continuing to add talent, both pitching and position player-wise, is they just need to really continue to draft well and develop uh, those players and and have, you know, because not every every prospect's going to make it. And just to have that depth, a little more depth in the organization. Mariners will certainly try and uh, accumulate that as they go through uh, the next couple of years. Again, they certainly have some more high draft picks coming. We'll see if they can swing any more veteran for prospect trades. Uh, Again, they're in the middle of the rebuild. They're not close to the end of it yet. It's going to be a few years, but the rewards potentially could be great. Bill, thank you so, so much for joining us, for breaking down this uh, resurgent Mariner system. We really appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Bill Mitchell, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. 